Welcome. This is Money Heart, where we explore the emotional side of money. I'm Camille Diaz, and today we're discussing creating extraordinary abundance. My guest is Rita DeNoyer Garcia. She has been helping people reach their true potential for over 30 years. She has a BA in psychology from College of the Holy Cross and an MSSW from Columbia University. After a long career as a social worker in New York City and while raising her family, she had a spiritual transformation. Rita is now a spiritual teacher, speaker, life coach, author, comedian, and musician. She's the author of three books, Extraordinary Abundance, Outside of the Box Love Experiments, and The Self-Compassion Project. She's also the creator of The Forest Meditations. She lives with her husband and three children in New Jersey. Rita, welcome to Money Heart. Thank you so much, Camille. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, very glad to have you on the show. In your bio, you talked about this spiritual transformation. Usually we don't have one of those unless something big happens to us. And I would love to know what happened to you. How did you, how did this transformation come about? Well, it was no lightning bolt moment. The sky did not part, the clouds didn't part the sky, but I did have what was called a come to Jesus moment on a phone call when I had three children ages four and under. So I was with kind of like a little preschool in my home, so to speak. It was a little cuckoo crazy. And I decided that I wasn't uh, busy enough, apparently. And so I started my own business selling health and wellness products. And Mm -hmm. after exhausting everyone in my community and making several enemies doing that, I took a marketing course to learn how to do this to strangers with leads, yeah, right, on the phone and then eventually online. I love this course and I took it for a whole year. I was like literally nursing my son um, while I was listening to, you know, the marketing class. I was so into it. And then that's classic entrepreneur mom, by the way. Yeah. It was just like Lucy and Ethel in the chocolate factory, putting yep. the chocolate down. If you're old enough to remember that, but anyway, I, am, I do. I'm, that's like the one that they always show on repeat for the highlight reels. <laughs> it's one of my favorites because yep. it shows the ridiculousness of trying to do all these spinning, all these plates, so to speak. Right. Right. So, so I was doing that and um, there were a couple clues that that was not going well. One was I was not feeling physically good while I was selling health and wellness products. Now, I don't know about you, but I find that a little ironic and off-putting to people who are thinking of buying your product if you're actively coughing into the phone while trying to sell them. Oh my gosh. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It it kind of says maybe your product isn't working the way they might expect. (laughs) Exactly. <laughs> if you're ill while you're telling them about this wellness product. Yeah, yeah. exactly. It's, it, it, it's smacked of maybe imposter syndrome or something, but, um, right. so that was happening. I was also trying to close deals with a toddler on my knee. So obviously distracted, right. um, or someone's crying in the background and, um, and even my husband was like, are you having a good time with this. And I was like, Oh yeah, I am so having a good time. Like I was not ready to let go of this. Right. Yeah. So, and, and the reason I was doing it in my mind was I was going to save my family. You know, I was going to retire my husband. We're going to become millionaires. We're going to go on fancy vacations. 
um, I kept having this one scene in my head that I was serving these beautiful whatever food in our backyard on our patio, and I was the I was the hero of the the show, right? And my kids were happier, and everyone's great. But it wasn't quite unfolding that way. And so this meeting that I was having, this come to Jesus meeting, culminated because this guy was giving me leads so that I could call people, and he called everyone who was working for him and said, guys, um, I have to tell you, if no one's really closing anyone. And if we don't close anyone in the next two weeks, I'm going to have to withdraw my leads. I just don't, I feel like they're being wasted. And so I'm listening to this and I put the phone on mute and I started to cry because I didn't want them to hear me crying. Right. And because everything that I was trying to do was just not working. And what welled up inside me was you're a failure. You're just complete failure. You can't do this. This is too much for you. You're not built for this. And frankly, here's 15 other failures to remind you of how much of a failure you are, you know? And then of course, as I'm crying, my kids start crying. So yeah, it was that time of day when we would have to cry it all out. And then I heard the youngest one in the crib starting to cry. And I was just like, what the heck? This is not what I wanted. Um, and so as I kind of slid my back down the wall and sat, you know, slumped, like, what the heck? I, I'm so sick of feeling this sense of unworthiness and I'm trying so hard to be worthy and I'm trying so hard to be enough. And I just can't be enough anymore. I just, you know, like even thinking about it, I can feel like the tears wanting to well up a little bit. Right. So, and everyone's been that everyone's had that experience of, I guess I'm not enough, or I guess I'm not worthy, or I guess I'm not lovable, or I guess I'll always be a failure. I'll never be a success. I think that's a super common mom feeling. And it's also a super common entrepreneur feeling. Like yes. every entrepreneur I talked to has been through some point where things didn't go the way they expected. They don't yeah. have the private jet and the vacations and the right. fancy house. They, the stuff isn't coming together yet. It doesn't mean it never will, but it certainly isn't right now. And yeah. they're tired and stressed out and grumpy. And if you're also a parent, probably moms and dads, I don't think dads talk about it as much as moms do, right. or dads have it too. You have that failure feeling. I don't know if I'm doing the right thing for these kids. I'm not sure if I picked the right school or if we're in the right house. Yep. If I made the right decision when they asked me if they could do whatever it was they wanted to do. Like we yep. always are second. All the time. Yeah. And you're constantly feeling like, am I worthy? Do I deserve it? Is this okay? Am I getting it right? Am I getting some of it right? Any of it right? None of it right? Like you have no idea. And yeah. so when you pile on, you know, entrepreneur and parent and anything else that's going on, it it's a lot. It's a lot. I think your story is very relatable and you are not the only one who has gotten off the phone and cried in the corner and just not known. Yeah. And, and because I think this happens with a lot of women who are intelligent too, not to pat my back for being so intelligent, but I've been always able to figure things out with my mind. I've always been able to figure things out with the brain. Right. And I got incredibly rewarded for that on a lot of levels. And here I was, couldn't figure it out. I just, my brain couldn't figure it out, you know? And so I really felt like I was at this pause, if not stop point. And I was 
talking to someone else about it. And I said, imagine if you're in labor and you don't know you're actually going to have a baby. Like, how would you, I mean, being in labor enough is very intense, but imagine you have no idea what's going on. And there's, you're like, I don't even know what's going on. Am I dying? What's going on? I have this big belly and I feel like I'm dying and my, and my whole body's splitting apart. This can't be good. Right. So I was in that space for a while where I didn't know that there was a baby on the other side of this. Right. I just knew it sucked. It was intense. I didn't know what to do. My brain was trying to desperately grasp at things to solve the problem. Mm -hmm. So because my brain does what it does, I reached out to, I had read this book called the power of belief by Ray Dodd. And he is a protege of Don Miguel Ruiz. I don't know if you know him, but he wrote the four agreements. Oh, I know the four agreements. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. So Ray Dodd wrote the power of belief and his protege was this guy named Chris. So he had power of belief coaches. So I was like, you know what? Maybe I just need this power of belief coach and they're going to help me close people. They're going to help me with my business. Right. I was still like, you know, hang in there, kitty. And um, so I looked at his picture. I liked his mug. And he had a marketing background. I'm like, this is the guy for me. So we set up the phone call. And oh, and meanwhile, I had set up before realizing that this whole thing was imploding, that we were hiring an au pair for a year to stay with us to help with taking care of the kids. So I was like, oh my God, I can't, my business is failing. And now I'm going to have another expense. What the heck? What am I doing? This is crazy. Yeah. So it was a lot of pressure. So I get on the phone with my coach, Chris, and I'm going on about whatever I'm going on about it. And he says, Rita, hold on one second. One, just right now for this moment, can you be kind and gentle with yourself? And I was, had two thoughts about that. One was what? That makes no sense to me. I have never done that in my life. How productive is that? I got a list of things to do, Chris. You're not helping me get into that list, right? <laughs> right. So right. that was a very skeptical, like, I don't know what you're talking about. And the other side was like, I'll try it. And so I, for a full minute or two, I was not a failure. I was just being kind and gentle. And of course I started crying. I like weeping, like my bot, like, you know, yeah. like, yeah, the ugly like cry. your ancestors yeah. are crying with you. Yeah. Yeah. And you had the ugly cry. Exactly. And I thought, son of a gun, he made me cry. I guess I'm working with this guy and uh, I hate him for it, but I think this is the person I need to work with. So Mm -hmm. that was my first act of compassion with myself. And I don't know how long, and, and to tell you the truth, you know, when I think back to that moment, I thought no one's ever told me that I am sure people have told me that in some way or another, I just couldn't receive it. Right. I couldn't consider it. I was too like, no, you work harder. You have worked faster. Yeah. You figure it out. You know, that was sort of my, and my parents weren't like that necessarily, but I was like that. But you were like that. I think it goes back to what you brought up, which was brilliant about the intelligence thing. You know, the smarter you are and the more success you've achieved by being smart, then the more you feel like, well, I should be able to figure this out. Clearly, I'm not working hard enough. You know, I'm just I just missed a step. Yeah. Let me go back and circle it again. Like, yeah, yeah, just all of that. You you put so much pressure on yourself feeling like I'm a smart person. How come I can't do this? I see other people doing yeah. it. What's wrong with me? Right. Mm-hmm. And or maybe I'm not as smart as I thought. Uh Oh, I better cover that up. 
right with acting really smart about this because i don't want people to know how dumb maybe i really am and don't even realize it so again it's that covering that you know covering the wound covering the wound compensating compensating Mm -hmm. and um so i started working with him i worked with him for four years on the phone i have never physically met him i love him never met him in person so it can be done yeah. Somewhere in Michigan, having a good life. But anyway, so, so we worked uh, together and the first couple months I was just crying half the time I was on the phone with him. I just was like, mm-hmm. and, um, and then he gently just sort of said, maybe you need to take a pause from your business. And I was like, no, I'm not a quitter. You know, he's like, you're not quitting. You're just taking a pause because I think you really need to take care of yourself. I don't, feel like you're taking care of yourself. That's what you're telling me. So he's like, it's a good thing. The au pair is coming. I'm like, no, how am I going to pay her? It's not a good thing. And he's like, have you talked to your husband about it? And I'm like, yeah, he doesn't care, but really, you know, and he's like, if he doesn't care, come on, you know? Yeah. So she came and here she's 20 year old, beautiful woman from El Salvador. And she's telling me, I'm looking at your schedule you don't give yourself a lunch break. And I was like, a 20 year old is telling me that I, where's your lunch break? Where's your lunch break? She's got more sense than I do. Yeah. She really did. She really did. Still does. And so she was great. Cause she came in and she was able to take care of my kids. So I could start meditating, having free time, being able to take a walk, being able to use the bathroom without little fingers underneath pushing notes. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That so takes me back to those days. Right. Are <laughs> of, you coming out soon? Right. Well, I, I, one time I had to, like, I don't know where my husband went, but I had to go to the bathroom with one kid on my lap and the other one on the floor at my feet, because yes. otherwise there was, you know, screaming at the top of our lungs happening. If they yes. could be on me every second of the day, including bathroom time. Yeah. And I didn't, I didn't wake up on my own. I woke up to the baby. Yes. That was how I woke up. Yes. So it's kind of, you know, you know, Lucy and Ethel in the, in the chocolate factory once again. So he's like, you really need to take care of yourself. So I started meditating. I started doing all these things. I, I got a, a membership at a local gym. So I would go out of the house to do my workouts. And sometimes I would hang out and I journal. I started doing these things that I'd never really done before, you know, and I've been a bit of a pretty spiritual person my whole life. And I never really took to meditation because I was too like, I got to do things. Right. So it really fo- helped me focus on being more present. Um, that was another thing my coach introduced me to was just being present because he said, um, what was the best? Like you think of a thing that you really loved, um, a moment, an event or something that you really had a good time, like recently. And I said, oh, I went out to dinner with my husband and this happened and that husband, and it was so good. And the food was great and blah, blah, blah. And he said, do you know why that was great? And I said, no, why? He goes, because you were present. You were present. You were taking it all in. And I'm like, all right, beep, back up, buddy. Beep, beep, beep. You told me to be honest with you, right? And he's like, yeah. And I said, I have a running list of to-dos in my head right now. How is present going to help me do that? And he's like, I'm glad you asked. He said, when you are present, 
you can still do stuff. You're still going to do your to-do list, but you're going to do it with presence. You're going to do it. You're going to be washing dishes, not thinking of 5,000 things, but just washing the dishes. Mm -hmm. You're going to fold laundry, just folding the laundry. You're going to be with your child, just being with your child, right? And I had no idea what gift that was to me, um, not just in, in richness of life, but that is actually more effective, right? And I know when you have a bunch of kids, when you have a brood or, or just one child, they take a lot of your attention and energy. They do. But I learned over time that when you actually give them that time and attention, which is what they want, that's all they want. They want, they want. They want presence, acknowledgement, recognition. That's love, right? When they get all that, then they can go and do stuff for a little bit. Yeah. They don't, they're not constantly pulling at your skirt. Right. And then you're like, stop it. You know, and then that's the attention they get is to stop it. Right. Versus the behavior again, because they got something. They so, got yeah. something. Yeah. Right. So, so I learned I can give my kids individual attention and, you know, wasn't easy at first. I, ke I kept forgetting. Cause you know, once again, I had the big tool, which was the hammer and everything looked like a nail and I didn't know, Oh, I have some other tools I can try. Right. And maybe they work better. Mm -hmm. So I realized that time was very flexible and that I actually created more time when I was present. Mm -hmm. Like it was wild and weird. It is weird. First, it yeah. is very weird yeah. sometimes. When you do just... things not distracted, you do them well and you do them quickly and then they're done. Yes. <laughs> and you don't redo them because you didn't do them fully the last time. And right. I think that is a challenge being a woman and a mother because women's minds tend to multitask oh, yeah. and men's tend to be more focused and compartmentalized. I think that's more of a biological factor. I'm sure there are women who are not like that, but yeah, but I certainly was. And I watched my mother who was an Olympian mother be able to do, you know, assembly line work you know, getting the lunches ready and the, the octopus, yep. right. She was yep. the octopus and she made it look easy. And I was just like, I have half the amount of kids you have. And I'm like, you know, want to hit the bottle, you know? So, um, and her advice was just like, don't get too drunk. Okay. And I'm like, okay. So <laughs> what a cool that, is, that is an issue with a lot of mothers, but I just, yeah. you know, it's, yeah. I understand why that happens. So, yeah. So anyway, back to my spiritual transformation. So I started doing all these practices, being present, meditating, taking care of myself, um, uh, doing things that enriched my soul. And because I like doing them and not because I should do them all the time or I'm obligated. So that was another thing. We went through my schedule. I had so much crap in there, excuse the expression, of obligatory stuff, you know, mm -hmm stuff where, well, I'm supposed to do that because I'm a mom or I'm supposed to be the class parent or I'm supposed to be the, and there's nothing wrong with doing any of those things if you want to do them. But what was happening to me was people were asking me to do things. I didn't know how to say no. So I would say yes. And then literally I'd be doing the thing and I'd be with women who were complaining about the other moms who weren't doing the things they were doing because they were also resentful that they were doing the thing. So it was just sort of like the sea of resentment. <laughs> And so I had to like, kind of, you know, woman up and, and say no sometimes. And the first time I did that, that was like, you know, just put me in a fetal position now. Cause 
you know, and it turned out to not be a big deal, but the first time you do it, it's like, it feels like a big, yeah. Even if it's like, yeah, thanks, but I can't do that right now. And you're typing it out and then you're right. like, send it out, you know, totally and moaning in the corner. I had a friend who asked me to be on a nonprofit board with them and I like the nonprofit. I love my friend. I want to help out. I'm, you know, all these things. And I just knew that that was a really active nonprofit and they do a lot of fundraising and they have events and I was going to be in charge of something and it wasn't going to fit in my world yeah. right now and yeah. at that time. And so I was just like, oh, I got to yeah. say no, I got to say no. Yeah. Otherwise I'm going to be miserable and I'm going to be do a terrible job and something yeah. somewhere is going to get messed up and I'm going to be really unhappy about it. And it's so much better that I didn't do it because I've, I've had a ton of other stuff going on and my yep. kids are teenagers. And I don't know why that seems like they're just as busy as they were when they were four, but they are. <laughs> so Yeah. They take, they need your time and attention. They need so. my time and attention. So yeah. all of this stuff, and I totally feel that like you don't, you feel like you're letting people down because you're such the, the helper, saver, fix it personality that yes. like, oh, I'm going to let everybody down. If I say no, yeah. making the cookies for this Saturday. Yeah. I'm not doing my part. I'm, I'm yeah. not enough. I'm not, I'm not pulling my worth. Yeah. It's all the same thing. Right. And so, you know, the decision I decided to do for me was, and I realized there are women who love volunteering at school. Like they really get a lot out of it. So I let them do it. They're want to do it. They're good at it, you know, yeah. much better than I would be. And I decided, you know, if something pops up, that's finite, like we need moms to come to the school and take down all the art and organize it. I'm like, sign me up. I can do that for two hours and yep. I'm done. Yep. And I feel like I have put my time in. That is a um, fantastic strategy. And I do the same thing. Now, when I volunteer for things, I don't sign up for an unended position in charge of whatever. I wait until they say, we need people for, and then yeah. I say, I'm open that Saturday. I can go. Or, oh, I'd love to do that. I will go, you know, yes. and then I yes. sign up and I do the thing and I contribute, but I'm not trapped. Yes. And I love that. I love how you, how you strategize that. Cause yeah. And fabulous strategy. And I think the schools, at least in our district, have realized also that sometimes people would rather donate a little money than do all the fundraising and the events and stuff. And so they came up with a no must, no fuss. Hey, just just donate this amount of money and we will not even bother you. And I was just like, are you sure? <laughs> yeah. Where do I sign up? You know, because yep. I'm like, I've, you know, contributed X amount of dollars for instruments for kids who can't have the instruments. Perfect. That doesn't yep. mean I have to show up every Saturday morning and do X, Y, and Z because I don't right. want to do that. I'm the same so, way too. I would, whenever they ask, Hey, can you send these supplies or something? I'm like, yeah, yes, of course I can send yes. you. That was you another know, one. I yes. can totally throw those in the cart this weekend and send them with my kid next week. Not yes. a problem. I'm so into that. Yes. Extra paper towels, Kleenex, parts of, yes, supplies. We used to donate supplies to it yep. and it felt great. So yeah. here I am contributing to the school and it feels good and it's easy. Yeah. So that kind of became my formula, which is, is it fun and easy, connected and joyful? I'm on it. Now I realize in life, it's not always that way. And I can, I have my own process to deal with that. But if I can 
because I realized all of my stress is completely self-created. Mm. It's self-created. Every time I'm like, oh my God, I have a thing at so-and-so. It's like, but you made that appointment. So yeah. who's to blame here? Right. You know? And that's true for me. No. Like all these you know? things. I'm so busy. Well, who's in charge of your calendar? Because you might want to talk to your person. Exactly. You may <laughs> want to fire your administrative assistant. Is, is it you? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 So um, so so anyway, I was learning all these things and I started to just become calmer. I started to notice people telling me their beliefs through their stories. Like at first, I just thought they were telling me facts about their life. You know, they were, we were catching up and then I started to listen. I realized they're telling me everything they believe right now about life. Yeah. And sometimes it's, they believe that their husband is terrible. And sometimes they believe that they have, they're going broke. And sometimes they think they're going to get fired. And sometimes they think they're going to die. And sometimes they're afraid for their mother. And, you know, and I'm like, everyone's telling me their story. And so what I learned to do in those situations, especially the story was super negative. I would just go, okay, okay, okay. And then I noticed people were not doing that so much to me because I wasn't going, Oh my God, that's horrible. Blah, 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 blah. I wasn't like buying into their stories so much because I knew yeah. it was a story. Right. And then you, then you get to a level where you hear someone's story and you're like, I don't even know why they're upset right now. Like the, even the information they're giving you is like, okay, so let me get this straight. Your kid walked into school, they put their books on the counter and they grabbed a cookie and left the room. Why are you upset? Like, like, you know what I mean? Have you ever heard that where someone's like, can you believe it? And you're like, yes. And you're going, that's, that's the, that's the worst part right now. Like, uh, yeah. I'm like, yeah. I, okay. Yeah. So anyway, so I started noticing this and I also started noticing that so many women in my neighborhood and in the grocery store were kind of like the walking dead. They were mm -hmm. like just like zombies, they had their little baby Bjorns or their strollers and their lattes or whatever. And they were just kind of like, just give me enough caffeine to get through the day. Mm -hmm. And they just weren't happy. And I was like, I was like that. And now I'm here and I'm so much happier. Yeah. So I emailed about 10 people that I knew. And I said, look, I've done a lot of work on myself, still a work in progress, but I've learned some really cool things that have helped me feel better, more calm, less stressed, blah, 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 blah. Anyone interested in knowing? And three or four people were like, me, you know? So that became my first group in my living room. Nice. And because I had that social work background, I had that knowledge base plus the coaching to be able to kind of deal with the group dynamics and all that stuff. And, you know, made a ton of mistakes, but that's what started the group. And then I started seeing people individually and then kind of word of mouth happened. And I started different, different workshops and, and, and different ideas. And that's when I started writing guided meditations and that's where the forest meditations came from, from. And then I wrote extraordinary abundance because it was an area of my life that I just did not feel, I wanted to feel extraordinary abundance, but I didn't quite feel it. And I thought, you know, maybe if I do some studying about this and maybe if I write about it, mm -hmm. something will come. And literally a book came out of it, a very small book. It's very little. Okay. I forget where it is. It's somewhere up there. But, and it was attached to my website. So you could do exercises on the website. Oh yeah. But the, 
Is it okay if I just dive into this book? Dive into the story. Yeah. I want to hear okay. about this abundance concept for sure. Like how did you figure yeah. this out and how can we all get this for ourselves? Yeah. So I've never been a person who has been like money, 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 money. I've never been like, except when I was in that wound of, I have to make a million dollars to retire my husband. Right. I was never like money hungry. I was never like, I was a social worker. So I was never like the highest paid person in the room. Sure. And, um, but I knew it was, you know, that's how the, the world works is through money and, and it's good to have. And when you don't have it, you definitely feel it. Um, but I never felt abundant. I always felt a sense of scarcity in my life. You know, that sense of like, I better keep going or I'll be on the street, you know, or I better keep going or I won't be able to pay rent or um, I, I, I better really pull back my budget on that, or I don't want to spend too much. I very much grew up with depression era parents. Mm. So who are very mindful of how much you spend and no waste, you never waste anything. And yeah. so I inherited that. And I think there's a positive thing to that. I'm very mindful. You know, we don't throw things out. We try to fix things as much as possible, yeah. but on the other hand, it can go too far. Yeah. And I was definitely going too far. I was I was, what I was saying was like, I'm not worth new socks, mm -hmm. you know, I'll wear these for another three years. Yeah. Even though somehow that wasn't going to break the bank. If I got some socks, you know, you're probably, probably okay. If you spent 10 bucks on socks. Right. So I knew there was a, not a good balance here. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to explore this idea of abundance. And what I realized was for me, abundance was more than enough. So here's that enough thing again. So if I don't feel abundant, does that mean that, so I, I don't feel like there's more than enough and how is that connected to feeling I am not enough, mm -hmm. right? So I started realizing, well, when you, when you feel that not enoughness, there's not enough time, there's not enough money, there's not enough love, there's not enough food, there's not enough, nothing is enough. There's not enough goodness, yeah. you know? Um, and there's always this, in the shadows, the scarcity, fear of scarcity. And so you're always mindful of it. Mm -hmm. And you're coming from that place. And as I wrote the book, I learned that actually, not, am I, not only am I enough, I am abundance. Like I am the source of abundance, just like you are, right? Mm -hmm. Like we all are. But we get all this stuff piled onto us over time. Right that covers that up. And then we can't, it's like the cloud cover in the sky. We can't see the sun because the clouds are always there. And then we think we forget the sun exists. Right. So, so I'd started developing lots of different exercises and practices for myself to remind myself and to support my mind with mm -hmm. evidence that not only am I enough, but I am abundance itself. Mm -hmm. Right. I have the divine in me that it produces the abundance, the love, the acceptance, all of that good stuff, but that I had covered it up. So one of the practices that I would do, and I still do, is I go into the woods. I am, we're so lucky where we live. We live right next to a, a, a reservation. Oh, cool. So it's, you know, 10 minute walk to the reservation. So I go to the reservation and trees are, you know, my spirit animal. I love the trees love the trees. I love trees too. 
Right? Yeah, right there just, with you. Love trees. Yeah, I love trees for so many reasons. One is they they have so many great functions. They have so many great animals, insects. They they just house all those things. They're kind of like mothers, right? Mm-hmm. And they're not perfect. They're completely imperfect, and yet they're gorgeous, right? And they're very rooted and yet they reach for the sky. I mean, there's so many metaphors with the trees. So many, so many. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I love the Shel Silverstein book, um, The Giving Tree. Like bring tissues. Yeah. Exactly. So I'm in the forest and I'm looking at the trees. And if you if you allow yourself to imagine you're looking at like a leaf and you look at the leaf and you see that it's all segmented, really. Mm-hmm. If you look close enough and if you used a microscope, you would see that it's so segmented, you can see little individual cells, mm-hmm. you know? And then if you look at the cells, there's stuff in the cells and you could go right. further and further and further. So there's an abundance. The abundance, it's like a, a fractal. Mm-hmm the worlds inside of worlds inside of worlds, just looking at one little cell on a leaf. And then if you zoom out from that, you have your leaf and then you see how many leaves are on a branch. And then you see how many branches there are. And then you see how many trees there are. You're just like, you're on the other side of it, Mm -hmm. right? Of, oh my gosh, there's millions upon millions of this. And this is just one reservation. Yeah. So when you allow yourself to be, and that's what I think the present moment is about. Mm-hmm. It's not about skimming across the top. It's about going really vertical down into something. So you go really vertical down into the mi- microscopic, and then you go up all the way to the macroscopic and you see the richness, the extraordinary abundance of just the one moment. Mm-hmm. And so I do that to show people kind of physical evidence of the abundance that they're living in all the freaking time. If you open your eyes to it, if you're, right. if you, if you're open to it. And I think that's where, if you're into, if you're focused on the scarcity, you don't see it, the tree that way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If you're in abundance, you're like, wow, look at this. Yeah. And then you feel it inside yourself. And then you realize you come from that and that you are it. So I know that sounds a little psychedelic, you know, it does sound like something, but I love it. I love it. What a great way to just get yourself out of the one little place where you've gotten stuck. Yeah. It's literally a different perspective. Yeah. Just change the perspective to something different and consider it from another angle, you know, consider it from that little tiny point, consider it from the 30,000 foot view, you know, all of that. It's just, Oh yeah. Maybe there are other things going out, going on around there. Um, maybe there's more going on in me than just this one little piece that I've gotten. Yes. And I think that's what, you know, when we talk about the ego, right, the personality, what we do is we look at this vast sky of stars, but we only see this much and we go, that's your world. Right. Mm -hmm. But you get the whole sky. You don't even know the whole picture. That's why you're so miserable. It's it's like going through labor and not knowing you're having a baby, Mm -hmm. right? You have a very limited scope about what the larger picture is. And when you have a very limited scope, it's very easy to panic. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Or think this is it or think am I doomed or whatever. Right. Um, and, And even, you know, my view of death is 
um, there's a whole other thing going on after that. Yeah. And yet we're so, you know, scared of it. Right. We don't right. even know what we're scared of. Yeah. Well, we only know what's over here right now. So that's, you know, we tend to always be scared of things that are new and different and yeah. outside. And we can't even get information on that. You know, it's, it's one of those where, you know, a lot of things that are happening in the world, you can get information on somebody who's doing a little bit better in the abundance realm than you are. You can go talk to them. How's it going? How are you thinking? All that. It's really hard to talk to dead people and ask them what's it like over there. Yeah. Well, you know, you, knock, you could do a little seance or something, a little Ouija, yeah. Yeah. Ouija board. Yeah. But um, yeah, it's much easier when people are around you to ask them. Yeah. A little easier. Well, well, as a parent, one of the things that I pat myself on the back for is I somehow got this idea that talking to people who are older than me, who have raised children is a really good idea. And it turned out to be a supremo idea because um, I learned with about perspective, you know, yeah. when I'd be like, my kid's doing this and blah, 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 and da, 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 da. And they'd always be like, I get it. And it's a wrinkle. It's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. Yeah. And they'd always have like a bigger, more horrific story to tell. And the kid was okay. And yes. you're like, wow. And I go, okay. All right. So having that different perspective is so huge. It is. It really is. It's just, I have the same thing happen to me. I've got a couple mentors who are older than me. And when I talk about things that are happening with my kids, they're like, just hang in. It's going to be okay. And then I'll tell them something that I think, oh, you did the right thing. It's going to be fine. I'm like, oh, thank goodness. Somebody's there. <laughs> so right. Know. Yeah. And, and, you know, sometimes for me, it's, you know what, you did the wrong thing and it's still okay. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Like maybe yeah, that wasn't the, too. you know, but you did the best you could with the information you had and the right. history you have. And that's just the way, and maybe it can be rectified. Maybe it can't be, but that's part of the story now. And yep. that's the way it is. It's going to be there. It's okay. Yeah. It's going to be okay. I have a hundred percent. That's, you know, one of the things that I remind myself in my mind is like, look, you are batting a thousand on still being alive right now. Okay. Like no matter what you're still here Yes. and better for it. And so pretty much the evidence goes that way. So whatever is going to happen, you know, something could happen. You might not get your preferences, which by the way, your preferences don't really matter because half of them are based on looking at this part of the sky versus this part of the sky. So if you don't get yep. your preferences, it's not that big a deal. Something even better may happen. Yes. Yes. I love that point. Cause it's so many times that, you know, it's one of those, be careful what you wish for, cause you might yes. get it. And yes. then, you know, you get something and you're like, Oh, well, that wasn't what I thought at all, but it's way better, like way better. So many times the thing shows up and it's way better than what I thought it was going to be. Cause I, like you said, had that little limited tiny view and I wasn't seeing the bigger picture and then whatever yeah. it is happens. I'm like, Oh, well, this is just outstanding. Thank you. So absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. so sometimes I say, so this or something better, I'm open, Ooh, I'm open like to something that. better. Like Let it be this or something better. And so sometimes it means you're not going to get it and you're, you're going to be like pounding at the door that won't open. And then you're like, Hey, Hey, stop pounding. Look, go, go through that window. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. One of those, if you would just turn around and look to the side, you right. would see there's like an archway 
you don't even have to open it or just go just walk right under just walk right under. right and and i think as mothers we we see this in our children have you ever seen your little one do this oh they yeah. have a toy or something and they're trying to they're struggling with it and all you have to do is like literally like boop, and they're okay like yep. just that little tiny bit and they are like freaking out yep. and you're watching and you're like hmm do i do something do i not do something and sometimes i've done it and sometimes i let them go but i think how many situations in my life am I doing exactly that? Right. That is just like, put the toy down, you know, walk away, take a walk, come back and look at it again, or yeah. just move it a little this way, or, or that's, that toy doesn't do that. Go to that toy, you know? Right. Right. Make a switch. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. This has been such helpful information. Tell us what are you most excited about right now? Well, I'm really excited about some master classes that I'm doing that are for free. Nice. I'm doing, they're the same master class, but I'm offering them three different times. So the first one is on July 18th at 7 p.m. Eastern. And then I have one on July 26th at noon Eastern. And then I'm doing a, my first in-person master class in about three or four years, um, right in my hometown of in New Jersey. It's all on my website. And I should tell you what the masterclass is about, by the way, it's called from chaos to calm clarity. And it's my system, my process of how to take any situation or relationship you're in and to be able to navigate through it. So by the time you get to the end of the process, you're feeling more calm, you're feeling confident, you're actually maybe excited about what's going to happen next. And it's given you a new perspective and a new frame of what's really going on. And you get to understand yourself better and what motivates you. Oh, I love that. I love that. Will you be offering more of them in the fall? Because this episode may not come out until okay. sometime so in the fall. That workshop is going to be, or I call it a masterclass. It's a workshop. Yeah, I'm going to be doing that periodically because it, okay, it introduces a course that I do periodically. So love yeah. It. Okay. So we can just jump on your website anytime and see when the next one's coming up. Yep. Okay. Fantastic. Thank you so, so much for hanging out with me today. This has been fabulous. Thank you, Camille. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, if you want to get in touch with Rita, all you have to do is jump on her website. Um, it is becomingawake.com. You can also join her Facebook group, which is Calm Mom Calm mom alliance <laughs> there we go uh, so search for that on facebook i'll put a link in the show notes and also becoming awake on youtube and we'll link that as well thank you to all of our listeners and viewers i'm your host camille diaz i'm a business optimization coach financial educator author and speaker you can contact me and find out what i'm up to through my website camilediaz.com and follow me on social media at cam unfiltered be sure to follow Money Heart at Money Heart Show, and our website is moneyheartshow.com. Rita, would you like to share today's money mantra with us? Yes. Awesome. My mantra is, I am open to money appearing in all forms and in all ways. I love that. Thank you so much. Thank you, Camille. 